G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby, get an update on what's happening on the political agenda. And Martin Isles, the Managing Director of the ACL, is joining us. Hello, Martin. Welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be back with you. Hey, Martin, you've been gallivanting around the countryside, haven't you? You've just come back from a visit to the Red Centre this week in the Northern Territory. Uh, Give us a little insight into what you were doing uh, travelling into the centre of Australia. Yeah, I had a real cultural experience, Neil. Uh, I've not uh, done anything like this before, but uh, I was out all week. Um, staying in an Indigenous community out in the Red Centre, Hearts Bluff to be exact, and I also went and visited Papania uh, and others and got to see many uh, wonderful Indigenous folk who live out in that part of the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, lots of, uh, lots of experiences from the incredible sunrises and sunsets uh, through to witchetty grubs and kangaroo tails and camels and uh, all the things they eat. Uh, which is most unusual for me. But uh, the point was really to go out there because of this wonderful project that the Indigenous community in Hearts Bluff are undertaking to build a 20-metre-high solar-lit cross on the top of a nearby mountain as a gathering place for the Christian tribes in the area and and beyond uh, to uh, evangelise and to use as a gathering point for unity. Uh, And they really hope that it will be an opportunity to improve the future of their children uh, and the tribes in that part of the world and the other Indigenous communities. And uh, look, it's wonderful to see. Uh, And the foundations actually went in uh, just over the last week. And we were there to see it and the incredible skill of the workers who have managed to access that really difficult place to put these foundations in. And some of the Indigenous folk, as they saw that happening, were moved to tears because they've been working on this for a long time. So really great to be there. And thanks to my friend Ken Duncan, uh, the photographer who made it possible for me to go out there. He's been involved in this for quite a long time. And some of our listeners today will remember, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to Ken Duncan and about the Hearts Bluff community and the cross on Memory Mountain. And, well, what a historic opportunity for you, Martin Isles, being there to see the foundations being laid. I'm excited about that. Let me ask you just quickly, as we think about a, a cross in the centre of Australia, and it's a it's a big cross we're talking about, a big, uh, substantial symbol of Christianity. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on the power of having a symbol like that, even though it is in a remote community right in the middle of Australia. Any thoughts on the symbolism and what that could mean for not only the people in the Northern Territory, the Indigenous communities there, but but for every Australian? It's interesting, you know, Neil, uh, when I first went out there and we went up the top uh, of that mountain, I sat there and I thought, this is truly the middle of nowhere. I mean, it really is a long way out. Uh, and you, and when you go quiet, the silence is extraordinary. I've never experienced anything like it. Uh, you're so far away and so remote. However, uh, you know, as Ken and others started to get the local elders and whatnot up to the top of that mountain, some of them quite unwell, so they had to go up in, in little specially modified cars. But, you know, we got them up there uh, and they looked at what they'd, what what 
the progress was on the dreams that they've had and the work that they've put in over all this time. And they'll move to tears. And then I saw how that actually all of a sudden you just had all these indigenous folk coming out of nowhere, you know. Uh, and down the bottom of that hill, you had big gatherings of people and they're all coming up in groups one by one. And then the next night, they all had a great big barbecue around the foot of the mountain. Uh, and so it started to grow. And, and it was really extraordinary to see how that, that cross is becoming a genuine gathering place for the people in the local area. And they know what it means. They know that without the cross, without the gospel, without Jesus, there is, in fact, uh, no hope, really, for, for uh, so much of what they want in the future, which is uh, they want unity, they want uh, a better future for their children, uh, and they want to heal so many of the wounds uh, that are there amongst the local tribes, um, but also more broadly in culture. And uh, I can see what a tremendous power that will have. And uh, I look at that and all the challenges that the Indigenous folk face in that part of the world, which you know can be overwhelming, but I actually think they're right that if they lead with the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, there is hope. Uh, and that was really exciting to see. Well, exciting to reflect on the idea of a symbol like that in the middle of Australia being something that can unite Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians, but uh, more broadly than that, becomes a symbol nationally of a cultural central focus. And uh, we'll be following all that through uh, the foundations are in. The cross is going to be up, and I think there's a launch sometime uh, early to mid next year, and uh, we'll be following that along with really great interest. Hey, Martin, you've been following the developments in the United States as well uh, around the presidential uh, election uh, outcome. What are your thoughts on the latest developments? Yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest, Neil. Uh, <laughs> this is a lot of watchful waiting on my part. I I'm not yet sure what to make of uh, what's going on. The the allegations being made by the Trump campaign uh, lawyers are quite serious. Now, uh, that's one thing. You can make allegations in a press conference. You can say things in a press conference. What that does is it, 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 it creates PR, but it doesn't create a court case. Uh, in order to change things, you need to present evidence in court the evidence needs to stand up and it needs to be sufficient to get over the hurdle you're trying to get over, which for them is to invalidate some ballots or some election results because they say that they're tainted. Now, of all the court cases they've filed so far, none of them are capable of achieving what they say they want. So that's important to note. Nothing is in court in America right now that could change the result of the US election. So everyone's waiting at the moment, and they're running out of time, but that's not to say they're not working on it. I think they are. They're running out of time, but they're looking for uh, what Sydney Powell, who is one of the main lawyers on the campaign, uh, has called the Kraken. She says she's going to release the Kraken. Uh, and they are saying that they're working on a, a large-scale case which goes to a very serious matter, which is corruption uh, within the uh, companies that provide the voting machines and the voting software for many states in the United in, in the US, so this is Dominion voting systems and a software program called Smartmatic. So they say that they were compromised, they were hacked. They say they've got all the proof they need. In fact, Sydney Powell said the evidence is coming out of a fire hose, uh, and they say that they are going to show uh, irrefutably in court that uh, several states actually were hacked and they had some algorithms plugged into the system and that split the results 
And the reason they stopped the counting and had that weird pause in the middle of the night was because they had to make some adjustments because the Trump landslide was so overwhelming. Now, these are huge claims. This will be bigger than Watergate if it's true. Um, and we just wait. You know, we're only left to wait and say, OK, well, those are incredible statements at a press conference for PR purposes, um, but let's wait and see the case. And so I'm not covering it on my program until I can see the case itself, read the affidavits, read what it actually says, and see how much it is going to achieve. But if there is corruption on this scale, I think it's, it's really worth uh, our prayers because uh, that concerns and alarms me. I sort of hope it's not true, but at the same time, I sort of hope we'll... Maybe if it is true, it's better that we have the court case so we can resolve it. You know, it, it's, a, it's a huge deal uh, and we await those court cases. But those are the sorts of things that those lawyers are saying at the moment. The disappointing thing, of course, is that the mainstream media just won't touch it. They won't even talk about what's actually happening. They won't even, they say these claims are baseless. They have no evidence. Well, none of that's true. They're not baseless. Uh, there's, there's a basis for the claims and also they're not without evidence because there's plenty of sworn affidavits and they need evidence in a court of law. Uh, so, you know, it's a shame to see the way the mainstream media have treated this, even if it turns out to be insufficient to change any results. Um, it is nonetheless a newsworthy story. Uh, there's lots we can say, but we won't continue down the U.S. path right now. Let's bring our focus back to our shores here in Australia. Uh, let's have a little bit of uh, discussion about the state of play with COVID-19 restrictions, uh, all sorts of uh, significant issues out of South Australia uh, late last week. Uh, what are your thoughts about what happened in South Australia? And, of course, uh, you know, there's developments in Victoria. Thoughts around the latest uh, state of play in COVID-19? I think, Neil, overall, it's very pleasing to see restrictions uh, continuing to drop in most states. Um, so uh, that's Victoria in particular, uh, and other states are continuing to make progress. Um, I thought what happened in South Australia, um, it was a little bit, you know, it was a bit of a knee-jerk thing, as we know, because uh, there was that employee who falsified uh, his statement to the police, and therefore that led to the state going into lockdown, and then they realised it was a false statement, so the state didn't need to go into lockdown. So a bit of a knee-jerk reactions there on the basis of a single person's testimony, really putting the whole state economy in a terrible place. Um, that's that's uh, a shame. And also, I, I it's worth noting that New South Wales has had bigger outbreaks than the one we're talking about in South Australia and hasn't felt the need to go into lockdown. Um, New South Wales really, as far as I can see, is the, the quiet achiever of all of this. Uh, New South Wales has the largest population, the highest population density, most international arrivals, the most essential businesses that need to continue to run, and so on, the most multicultural barriers as well language barriers with people and so forth and yet the New South Wales government not apart from that early lockdown has managed to continue with a lockdown of any significant proportions uh, and has managed to continue with no border closures except for a time to Victoria when that was at its height and I think that they deserve tremendous credit because they have managed the situation so well meanwhile other states have played politics with when they didn't have to. I mean, Martin, just uh, just cutting in here for a moment, you're yeah. uh, you're breaking up fairly significantly, and uh, just not sure whether that's uh, the positioning of your phone. Just uh, just to let you know that, and uh, see if uh, there's any way we can uh, just get a little correction there, because uh, a uh, little bit difficult to to listen in uh, while that's uh, while that's breaking up. Um, 
yes, the uh, the idea of uh, of border closures. I wonder whether we might just pick up on on that idea because there's uh, there's opening borders between Victoria and New South Wales, and uh, of course the Queensland border remains closed. Any any quick thought or two on on borders? Yeah, apologies, Neil. Is that better? I hope it's better. That um, is, I'm moving that is around. Better. That is better. Excellent. Excellent. No worries. Now, I was just saying, you know, you've, there are states that have tried to play a bit of politics over the borders. You know, New South Wales showed us that wasn't necessary. Um, and uh, there are states that also have gone over the top with their lockdowns. Uh, and a lot of it's politics is people want to feel safe. And the governments know that. And so they're erring towards overzealous lockdowns. They're erring towards doing a little bit too much. And uh, I think it's a shame. I don't think we should be rewarding them for doing that. I don't think we should be fearful. As Christians in particular, there's no reason to fear. Um, And also there's no reason to fear at the moment because um, this virus, I mean, it's been more than 14 days since there was a single case of community transmission in Australia, except for South Australia, um, where there's been a few. And so we're really in a good place. Uh, and also, I always point out to people, I say, look, look at, look at the total number of excess deaths in a country and see how serious the virus has been. And it's interesting, in pretty much all countries around the world, there's not any significant number of excess deaths overall. Uh, in other words, there's not a whole bunch of extra people dying who wouldn't otherwise have died because of coronavirus. If you look at the total number of deaths right through the country each day over the last few months in most countries of the world, it's pretty much the same as it's always been. So there's a bit of fear on coronavirus, and I'd like to see people not so afraid so that governments don't go too far and take away our freedoms so easily. I don't think that's a good precedent to set. But uh, I thought I'd take the opportunity really to highlight the New South Wales government's efforts on this. I think they've been fantastic. And just quickly, on a different issue, and there's so many issues, but let's just touch on the push for conversion therapy laws in Victoria while I've got you. Uh, there's some new developments there, and uh, and there's some things there we ought to be very concerned about. Yeah, I mean, this is something people need to be aware of. You and I have talked about it a fair bit, Neil, but um, it looks like there will be a push for conversion therapy laws in every state and territory in Australia. That's our understanding uh, of the strategy. Uh, they've passed them in the ACT. Uh, they passed some in Queensland, but they were very much watered down after some really great activism by ACL and other groups as well which was fantastic. Now Victoria's on the cards. And what we know is that it will probably be introduced and passed very quickly because they don't want to draw attention to this because they know parents hate it. They know medical practitioners hate it. They know it's not got community support. Uh, But these laws will. uh, They will make it difficult for medical practitioners to help kids with gender dysphoria to embrace the body that they're born with. In fact, they make it criminal. They will make it difficult for adults who identify as LGBT but don't want to, and there's many of them, believe me, uh, to go and get help not to live as an LGBT person, but to live out their sexuality in the way they want. They won't be able to do that because these laws say if someone feels gay or someone feels trans, the only thing anyone can do, including their parents, is affirm them and push them down that road. And no one has any opportunity, even if the person who is gay or trans wants it, nobody has any opportunity to tell them otherwise. Uh, that's a real uh, shame. It puts pastors in a difficult place. It puts medical practitioners in a difficult place. And it puts parents in a difficult place. So in Victoria, we expect laws to come on. ACL will be running a campaign where we'll be activating as many people as possible to contact their MPs, particularly the crucial swing votes in the upper house. We think we can get it altered 
We really do, and we certainly can in other states when it comes on. So stay tuned for that. This is going to be a national push. It really is an assault on the rights of parents and religious freedom in a very serious way. So I'd encourage people to stay tuned for that. Well, let me point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website, and it's a place you can find tremendous resources and articles and the thoughts of Martin Isles, who we've been listening to uh, through these past few minutes. And Martin is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, acl.org.au. And while you're there, you can get a link to the weekly YouTube channel podcast that Martin produces called The Truth of It. Now, just quickly, let me ask you about The Truth of It before I let you go here, Martin, because this is something that is gaining a a, a subscribership, a, a listenership, and especially young people really relating to you. Uh, give us an idea of how The Truth of It has gone, because uh, it's on the up and up, isn't it? Well, yeah, thanks for mentioning it, Neil. That's true. So I do produce a program called The Truth of It. It comes out most weeks. Uh, with little breaks occasionally, but most weeks, and it goes out on YouTube and Facebook, and it's a podcast version as well. About 40 minutes long, I usually deal with four or five different topics. But the important thing is that I don't just talk politics. I don't just talk, you know, conservatism or anything like that. What I do is I like to take up the issues of the day, everything from the US election through to some of the things we talk about and more, and I try and give them a biblical foundation and show people how to think about them from a Christian worldview. Uh, and that's been a real delight. I've really enjoyed doing that. And uh, as you say, it now reaches several million people every month. Um, and uh, huge growth uh, in particularly uh, younger subscribers. Uh, but uh, it's very popular right across the board. So I'm really pleased that that's happening. Uh, and uh, and look, yeah, I encourage people to look it up, uh, the truth of it. It's on the ACL website. It's also on all of our social media, uh, if you haven't already. Okay, acl.org.au. Martin Niles, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Thank you again, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.